This is America on the Road, named best radio show by the International Automotive Media Conference, and now in its 30th year on the air. Thanks for being with us as we bring you the latest automotive information from around the world. As we first reported last week, Hyundai has announced a bold plan to remake virtually everything and change life as we know it. Well, that might seem like an exaggeration. It's really not. And we'll give you the important details later in the segment. Crazy, crazy stuff, right, Chris, <laughs> from Monday this week? Yeah, the big changes. Yeah. In uh, some somewhat less earth-shattering news, Dodge has announced a new limited-edition Durango SUV as it begins to phase out the Hemi V8. I mean, say it ain't so, Joe. I mean, <laughs> horrible to hear, right? Yeah, it's an end of an era. Yeah, I'm, I'm saddened by that. Honda has wowed CES, uh, the uh, electronic show in Vegas, with some uh, all-new electric vehicle concepts. We'll have details on those. And not to be outdone, Hyundai has introduced a, what might be called a flying car at CES, vertical takeoff and landing vehicle. America on the Road is brought to you by DrivingToday.com, YourTestDriver.com, EMLancy.com, the publisher of my latest book, Dance in the Dark, and of course, Mercury Insurance. If you're looking to save some money, you should switch to Mercury for your auto and home insurance. Californians save an average of $670 with Mercury, so imagine how much you could save. Get a quote today at drivingtoday.com slash auto insurance. That's drivingtoday.com slash auto hyphen insurance. And you need that hyphen in there. Otherwise, it won't work. I'm Jack Nerad. With me is co-host Chris Teague. He will work with or without a hyphen, I believe. As you longtime listeners know, Chris lives at one end of the country. I live at the other. Each week we get together to talk about cars, the car industry, and how you can get the most for your automotive dollar. I was uh, distressed to learn, Chris, that you've been ill this week and you're recovering, but uh, you look like you're getting to be a, a bit more chipper. How, how are you feeling? I'm upright. I'm staring out the window at a bunch of very wet snow to be shoveled out of my driveway. I'm not looking forward to that, but uh, doing well, Jack. Uh, just gearing up for the, the long tail end of winter here in Maine. It seems to drag on forever. Are your kids uh, getting uh, used to being back at school and homework and all that stuff? I mean, that's started again for you, right? Yeah. Big killer here, Jack, is it gets dark around four o'clock in the afternoon some days. So uh, the, the energy levels taper very quickly after that. Yeah. The good news is the days are getting longer. I'm even yes. noticing that as I'm walking the dog at the end of the day. Uh, what vehicle are you going to be road testing this week? I spent the week behind the wheel of the 2024 Mazda 3 Turbo Premium Plus hatchback, and I can't wait to tell you all about it. Yeah, well, that should be an exciting car to have driven and to drive, I guess. I'll be road testing the 2023 Ford Bronco Raptor, very much like the 2024 Ford Bronco Raptor. I think they have some new trim pieces and this and that for 2024. And... Uh, I got a chance to drive that in Chicago in the snow. I was just there uh, over the past weekend and uh, just had uh, an interesting time <laughs> with the with the Raptor for the Bronco Raptor. Uh, so we'll tell you about that. Uh, I got reacquainted with the driving in the snow, which you know has its charms, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> you know all about that in Maine, don't you, Chris? Yep. This week our special guest is Marcus McCammon. He's a cool guy, number one, president of Karma Automotive, a dream job for him. Karma, of course, is a California-based builder of high-performance electric vehicles. He's got very interesting plans, and we'll have our exclusive interview with 
him later in the show. But uh, before we do anything else, let's bring you some of the most important auto-related news from around the world, and let's dive right into that. And this news from Hyundai at CES is, uh, in some ways, kind of earth-shattering in a, in a lot of ways. I mean, they announced so many different um, initiatives and interesting things well beyond the car business. Uh, it, it's kind of hard to fathom, but uh, a lot of it centers around hydrogen and what they call the hydrogen value chain and uh, the solution that they think it is um, in terms of uh, zero emissions and an antidote to uh, global climate change. I mean, what's your quick reaction to what Hyundai announced? Well, it's interesting. It's an interesting alternative to the approach uh, companies like Tesla take with their Powerwall systems and the electricity storage. But Hyundai's basically saying they want to hydrogenify uh, your home generator, commercial vehicles, airplanes, ships, you know, the whole deal. Um, it's interesting because it's, you know, an alternative to the the electric thing here. So um, I wouldn't be surprised to see Toyota come up with something similar in the next few years, but it is very fun to watch Hyundai get its arms around the entire the hydrogen supply chain or value chain, as they call it, from top to bottom. Yeah, I mean, they have what they call a blueprint for a hydrogen energy ecosystem and also a vision for software and artificial intelligence. I mean, kind of <laughs> over, uh, you know, far reaching. I almost said overreaching. Maybe that's the case, but uh, certainly far reaching. What they're looking to develop is, is laudable, certainly. A comfortable and peaceful living environment is, uh, you know, almost a direct quote from what they're, they're talking about. They have three core universal values in what they're presenting. Freedom, I'm in favor of that. Uh, safety, of course, and fairness. Fairness for the global community. And uh, I, that's a wonderful thing. I, I don't know how we quite uh, determine what's fair. <laughs> in fact, uh, that's uh, something I dive into a little bit in my book, The GR Factor. You know, what is fair? I guess what's fair to some is not necessarily fair to others. Um, this is from Jay Chang, who's the president and CEO of Hyundai Motor Company. He says, clean hydrogen should be for everyone, powering everything and available everywhere. <laughs> That's an interesting take uh, because the hydrogen infrastructure around the world now is pretty minuscule, isn't it? Yeah, but, you know, they do have some pretty innovative things that they're working on, right? They're looking at extracting hydrogen from food waste, from uh, livestock and commercial uh, food production waste. So, I mean, if they can capture some of this uh, some of the hydrogen from some of these these processes, then, yeah, maybe. But, I mean, look, there's only a handful of charging or not charging, but filling stations in the United States. And they're all in California. Um, and I don't even think you can buy a hydrogen vehicle now outside of the state. Right. So uh, there's a long way between that and, and anything resembling, you know, infrastructure for all this other stuff. Yeah. I mean, as I mentioned last, uh, last time around, I think in the last show, um, Hyundai has a lot of sway in South Korea <laughs> and, and you know, can maybe make this all happen in its home market, where it is the dominant player and the, you know the dominant company, really. Uh, but I don't know that uh, as it's an important but still not major player, not totally major player in the in the United States. How they're going to um, you know push this forward in other markets, I think, is is a very uh, difficult question for them. Yeah, a lot of legwork there. <laughs> yeah. They also have a thing called Software Defined Everything, which is a really interesting strategy. Maybe we can dive into that in another show because, uh, I mean, 
the initiatives they announced were, were truly breathtaking uh, at CES. Well, let's talk about Dodge Durango SRT392 Alchemy, which has ALC and then Hemi in it. Uh, isn't that clever? Uh, it's a registered trademark, by the way. It is part of the last call for Hemi-powered vehicles, uh, a, Dur a new Durango model. Um, what's your take on, on the demise of the Hemi engine? I think that's the big story here. Yeah, you know, it's really easy to kind of, you know, point the finger and say, oh, the, the emissions and the fuel economy isn't there. But look, this is an engine that all of us have loved since, well, a lot of us have loved for decades now. And the fact that it's now, you know, the Charger and the Challenger are now gone. The Chrysler 300 is now gone. And this is now sort of like the last hurrah for this engine. I mean, you, you got to be a little bit sad about that. Yeah, I certainly am. It's going to be. The Alchemy will be limited to a run of a thousand units, uh, two hundred fifty for each of uh, in each of four exterior colors. So if you want black, you only have two hundred fifty chances for that, or white, or whatever. Cool names actually: Diamond Black, Destroyer Gray, Vapor Gray, and White Knuckle. That's my favorite color. My favorite Dodge color is which Destroyer is, Gray. Destroyer Gray, like it. Yeah, those are pretty cool colors, aren't they? Well, yeah, so are. that's coming out, so look for that. Honda has introduced uh, its, uh, I think it's Zero Series, or O Series, um, probably Zero for Zero Emissions series of electric vehicles at CES, including a saloon, what we would call a sedan, <laughs> uh, which I, I don't know if you're leading with a, a sedan these days is the, is the wisest move. Pretty cool stuff, though. What's your take on these these Honda products that uh, were introduced at CES. They certainly nailed the the futurism factor there, didn't they? Those cars are uh, really out there. You know, I've been seeing a lot of chatter in the sort of overall industry that EVs need to be now groundbreaking from a styling perspective, from every different perspective to break through in the public eye. And I think if these come to market at least in anywhere near the form that they're in that we saw, then yeah, they'd, they'd be groundbreaking. Yeah, well, groundbreaking doesn't always sell, <laughs> as we found with the uh, various Prius models, among others. And then there is this, uh, you know, vertical takeoff and landing vehicle. It's electric on top of everything else from Hyundai Motor Group, from their advanced uh, mobility company, which is called Supernodal. What's your t quick take on a flying car here? Who's going to pilot it? Who's going to manage it? Who's going to park it? Where are you going to park it? All those things. Yeah, we've talked about this. Yeah, I think it's going to be, uh, you know, maybe air taxi kind of service where you would have a, a driver who can really fly uh, this kind of vehicle. I mean, certainly it's uh, a very complicated vehicle. Interesting that it's electric. It's a pilot plus four passenger vehicle. And uh, they plan to have these in the market in 2028. So we shall see. I mean, <laughs> a new kind of uh Uber, <laughs> yeah. you take off and fly to the airport as opposed to uh, driving to the airport. So very cool. And uh, we will see what happens with that. Well, when we come back, we will be do, uh, doing some road testing and some pretty cool vehicles, including the uh, Mazda Mazda 3. I love saying that, uh, the redundant Mazda Mazda 3. And I was driving the uh, Ford Bronco Raptor. So stay with us for that. And we'll be right back right here on America on the Road. Welcome back to America on the Road with Christine Jack Red 
back with you. It's road test time. We have some very cool vehicles to road test. And, of course, thanks so much for being with us. We do appreciate it. If, if you like America on the Road, please pass it along to somebody else who might like the show. We would really appreciate that. Let them know when you listen to it on the radio and on what station, of course. And if you want to share a podcast with them, that's available, too. So look to do that. And, uh, Chris, I, I'm looking to hear what you have to say about this Mazda Mazda 3 with the turbo in it. Uh, it should be pretty cool. Tell me. I always enjoy my time behind the wheel of Mazdas. We talk about this. We have talked about this at length with uh, other vehicles that crossed over. I drove the CX-30 a couple of months ago. But uh, this is a car that I've always really enjoyed. I've honestly not been able to drive the latest sedan. I've only driven the hatchbacks. But uh, you can get in either a four-door sedan or a five-door hatchback model. Uh, pricing jack starts around $25,000. My Turbo Premium Plus hatchback, it's a big mouthful of words here, um, was almost 40000 after all the options, but I'll get into it because I feel like it uh, it justifies the price. Before I go any further, have you driven the new Mazda 3 or any of the latest uh, sedans or hatchbacks? Yeah, and uh, of course, they're, they're vehicles that I've loved for years and years and years. And, uh, you know, that that succession of Mazdas, it dates all the way back, I think, to the Mazda 323 back in the day. They've always been uh, kind of the driver's cars of those kind of uh, vehicles. And uh, I think they probably still are today. I agree. Uh, so you can get it with two different engines. The base engine is a non-turbo. It's a 2.5 liter four-cylinder. Uh, it has 191 horsepower. My turbocharged uh, test car came with a turbocharged 2.5-liter four-cylinder. This one makes 227 horsepower if you run it on the cheap gas, although where you are, no gas is cheap, <laughs> uh, or two, 250 horsepower if you run it on premium 97-octane and up to 320 pound-feet of torque. Those are pretty good numbers, Jack. That is right around what the Golf GTI produces. Um, and this car has – my test car had all-wheel drive, so you can get it with front or all-wheel drive. Um, and a six-speed automatic transmission comes only with the all-wheel drive. So this car feels lively. It feels quick. You do feel the weight of the all-wheel drive system, Jack. I will say it doesn't feel as athletic as the Golf GTI. But, again, we're talking about a Mazda here. We're not talking about, like, the gold standard uh, for hatchbacks and handling. But right around six seconds to 60 with the turbocharged engine and all-wheel drive, uh, again, you're not going to break any records with that, but it feels strong. It feels quick. And there's not really any times where I was like, man, I wish I had more power for passing or pulling out into traffic, um, anything like that. Inside, Mazda does a really good job with their interior design. I think I'll talk about the the non-touch infotainment system in just a minute, but uh, really gorgeous cabin inside this car. My test car had leather upholstery. Uh, it was a deep sort of red, almost a burnt, like a rust color, like a rusty brown. Very nice color for the inside of this car. And it's completely unexpected for this segment, right? Generally, you get black or white or gray or black or gray or, you know, some combination of those uh, monochromatic uh, sort of in interiors, but this, you know, different colors made this look like a really interesting space. You know, you get an 8.8 inch non-touch infotainment screen as standard. The turbo models come with a larger 10.3 inch unit jack. I'm going to get your opinion on this. What do you think about the rotary dial controller in these cars? It still kind of bugs me. I mean, I, I get used to it in Mazdas and after I'm in a Mazda for two or three days, I'm, I've come to terms with it. I wouldn't say I prefer it, but I do come to terms with it. I still love a touchscreen. I mean, there's disadvantages to touchscreens, too, and I kind of hate finger marks all over the dash, and it kind of bugs my, my OCD a little bit. But overall, uh, I think they work better, and they're just more intuitive. Yeah, I agree. You know, you do get some ergonomic advantages from not having to reach up and uh, touch the screen every time. But 
what really ends up happening is you end up cranking the dial, trying to scroll through lists of songs or radio stations. And while it makes sense and it's somewhat intuitive, it just takes too long and it's a little bit distracting while you're driving. Um, that said, you do get a lot of good features here. Apple CarPlay, Android Auto, Satellite Radio with the uh, subscription service, and the Bose stereo in this car sounds fantastic. It's a small car. It doesn't take a lot of volume to really fill it up, and, and they did a good job at that. Uh, you get a full suite of standard safety equipment, automatic emergency braking, forward collision alerts. My test car had blind spot monitoring, a head-up display, and the whole lot. So for under 40 grand, Jack, I think that you know there's a lot of options in this class, surprisingly, uh, despite the, the fact that they're not really selling that much anymore. But uh, I think this is one of the best, and it's also it's easily one of the nicest in the segment in terms of uh, a hatchback and, and the, like daily livability. Yeah, I mean, nearly premium, I would say. Kind of a luxury car, kind of splitting the difference there and maybe leaning more toward the premium side. You, you just don't feel like you're in uh, a mass market car when you're in a Mazda, and I think that's a, exactly that's a nice thing about them. Well, I was in a vehicle that definitely is not a mass market car, and it's the Raptor version of the Ford Bronco. And, of course, the Ford Bronco has been a major, major hit for Ford Motor Company. The Southern California is littered with with Broncos, even though I think most of them don't come near the dirt or do any kind of off-roading. I think it is just kind of resonated. And uh, the Raptor version has the twin turbo V6 uh, that takes it to another level of performance. Uh, interestingly, uh, it's a zero to 60 mile an hour performance is about the same as the vehicle you were testing, about six seconds, zero to 60. It certainly doesn't feel like that from behind the wheel, though. I mean, <laughs> there there's kind of a, I don't mean this in necessarily in all that negative a, 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 um, a connotation, but it is kind of lumbering in a way. It's just so big, <laughs> you know, in a lot of ways. You, you don't necessarily feel the speed and you don't need to get into the uh, twin turbo so much. Um, it also has 37-inch tires with uh, very deep treads, so it's made for off-roading. It's not made to uh, spend tons of time on the road, although most will spend a lot of <laughs> their time on the road, probably the vast majority of their time on the road. I guess the big differentiator between other uh, this and other Broncos is the uh, 418 horsepower twin turbo 3-liter V6. It makes a ton of torque, uh, 440 pound-feet of torque. It's uh, teamed with a 10-speed automatic transmission. The Raptor is only available in the four-door body style, which I think is the the ba body style to to choose, although the two-door is much more in, in keeping with the original Bronco. Uh, the four-door just makes a, a lot more sense. You have the what Ford refers to as goat modes or goes over any type of terrain or goes over any terrain. And so you can choose those at will, <laughs> depending on what you're facing. I'm not sure that the typical driver, even a driver of a Bronco, needs all these capabilities. And, uh, you know, certainly the capabilities come at a price. Uh, the test uh, price or the price of, as tested of the vehicle I had was $98,000. So, uh, you know, there's a, a lot of vehicles you can get for $100,000 that are that are pretty darn cool. On the other hand, there's just a lot to like about this vehicle. I mean, uh, you know, it has the Ford Sync 4, a uh, large touchscreen, Apple CarPlay, Android Auto, all of that stuff, a Bang & Olufsen sound system, driver assist like uh, Copilot uh, 360, 
uh, a lot of technology there. A lot to like about the view. What's your, what's your take on the uh, Bronco and the Bronco Raptor specifically? I think the Raptor is excess in every sense of the word, but it's also good in those ways. You know, it's like it's too much of too much power, too much size, too much tire for anybody. But um, if you want the ultimate Bronco, I mean, it looks like the ultimate Bronco, feels like the ultimate Bronco. That's the way to go. Yeah. I mean, I had a chance. I didn't have much chance to drive it off-road. And of course, that's in its element. So it, it, this is not really a, a totally fair road test to what this vehicle is because it's designed to do some really amazing things off-road. And I've been in other Broncos, so I'm convinced that it will do those amazing things. It, it will really, uh, really perform well off-road in a variety of conditions, rock crawling, water fording, all, all those kind of things that uh, these off-roaders are, are known for. I had the chance to drive in the snow, pr- pretty unusual for me, but I, I was driving this in Chicago in the sh- Chicago suburbs, and uh, we got more than a dusting of snow, so I got a chance to do that. And uh, it, it acquitted itself quite well in that kind of situation. Of course, you got four-wheel drive going for you. you got these big tires with uh, deep treads, so that, that works quite, quite well in the snow. Overall, I like the vehicle a lot. My youngest daughter uh, rode a lot in the back seat. She said it wasn't particularly comfortable back there. She's a full-grown adult, so uh, all in all, I, I think there's a lot to like about this vehicle. Again, the price is kind of daunting for me <laughs> as an average uh, human being, uh, you know, $100,000 for a vehicle. And $100,000 for a vehicle, as most new vehicles will, this is not unique to the Bronco, but they're going to depreciate pretty significantly. And when you're getting depreciation off $100,000, that's thousands of, you know, tens of thousands of dollars uh, in depreciation over time. So it can be an expensive ride, I would think. <laughs> yeah. But we like them. Uh, you know, we like both of these vehicles a lot. Uh, the Mazda Mazda 3, the turbocharged version, kind of a competitor to uh, more performance-oriented cars or cars that are more blatantly <laughs> performance-oriented. And then the ultimate Bronco, the Bronco Raptor. A lot of appearance pieces on it, too, that uh, kind of stand out. Ours was in bright orange. And, of course, there was bright orange uh, scattered throughout the cabin, too. I mean, uh, that's something that uh, kind of a signature for the Bronco Raptor. So all around pretty cool. And when we come back, we'll, we'll have our special guest. His name is Marcus McCammon. He's president of Karma Automotive. They have some pretty cool cars, including a car that they introduced uh, late last year that uh, should be a, a supercar competitor. So we'll talk with him about that when we come back. Stay with us. We'll be right back right here on America on the Road. Inner peace, self-respect, emotional fulfillment, Are you finding these worthwhile goals difficult to achieve? Are you looking for success and satisfaction in your job but not finding it? Are you thinking about starting a business but don't know what will set it apart from all the others? You can continue to struggle on your own, or you can unleash the undeniable power of the GR Factor. I'm Jack Arney Red, host of America on the Road. For years, I've found success in business and in my personal life by using the concepts I outline clearly in my book, The GR Factor. Your best self is inside you right now, just waiting to be unleashed. Inspiring all that is the best in you, the GR Factor will guide your journey, elevate your game, recast your relationships, and transform your daily life. If you want to change your life for the better, read the GR Factor. It's available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and at emlancy.com. That's the GR Factor by Jack Arney Red. Thanks for checking it out. 
Welcome back, everybody, to America on the Road. Jack with you. We have a terrific guest, really a, a guy kind of living the dream in a lot of ways. His name is Marcus McCammon. Uh, he is president of Karma Automotive. And Marcus, number one, thanks so much for being with us. We appreciate it. No, it's my honor. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate your time. Well, why I say you're living the dream is I think, uh, you know, as you were a young man, maybe even a teenager, uh, you thought about running a car company. And now, yes. darn it, you're doing it. I mean, <laughs> that's a pretty amazing thing in and of itself. Tell us a bit about your background and how that came to happen. Yeah, so I'm actually a mechanical engineer by training. Uh, and uh, when I was in school, I always had a passion for, for transport. It was aerospace first, then, uh, then automotive. Uh, and when it came time for me to pick a career, I said, you know, I interviewed for, for jobs in Detroit. Well, you know, so if you're going to be in the auto, auto business, you got to go to Detroit and learn the business. Uh, and when I uh, interviewed for my uh, for my role, ultimately at Chrysler, the interviewer said, so, you know, what's your five year plan? Right. The classic kind of 90s you know, uh, uh, interview question. And I said, well, I'm going to come there. I'm going to design a car. I'm going to learn the business to get my name in the press. And then I'm going to run my own car company. And he laughed. <laughs> and it's funny because like in retrospect, I, li I listened to myself talk and I laugh at myself. Right. But, uh, you know, you laughed, but he years. hired you. Right. I mean, so that's yeah, great. He did, they did. He did hire me. Yeah. He did hire me. And I had a good run at Chrysler. But, you know, almost 30 years later now, here I am. So, yeah, it's, it's a pretty awesome dream. Well, give our listeners, they probably heard Karma before. Yes. Uh, and Karma Automotive. We probably talked about it on the show. I mean, the show's been on 30 years, so we certainly talked about yeah. Karma. And I was there when Heinrich Fisker introduced Karma and uh, to there the open go. press conference, among other things, way back in the day. But give our listeners a, a little bit of a short course on Karma, where it was and how it came to be and where it is now. No, absolutely. So Karma uh, was founded in 2014 after the acquisition of the assets of what was then Fisker Automotive. Um, so the uh, investor group came in and after Fisker went bankrupt, they bought the assets and then uh, and recapitalized the business and rebranded the name of the company to Karma. Uh, Karma was the name of Fisker's original sedan uh, and the, the uh, investors liked the name. They thought that it had a strong meaning and it was kind of uh, in line with the, the reason why they were buying the company in the first place. The gentleman who bought the company, our chairman, Chairman Liu, of the founder of Wencheng Group, was a Chinese entrepreneur, um, early uh, purveyor of, of uh, globalization and industrialization, had built a private enterprise up from nothing into a multi-billion dollar enterprise. Uh, and his goal before he passed was that he wanted to put clean energy vehicles and technologies into the market to help make the world a better place. So, so the name was really fitting. So and so the company's operated as Karma since then. So we're we're next year will be our tenth year anniversary in the market. Um, but you know the company has not really uh, had a chance to really live up to its potential yet. And uh, and I think that's why, at least that's what they told me when they hired me. My job is to try and make sure we we see that potential. And when did you come to the company, Marcus? I joined the company in March of of 2023 at the end of March. Uh, so uh, prior to that, I was the uh, the, the uh, global managing director for Ricardo Engineering. So, and I know Jack, I know you know Ricardo, but you know a lot of times people don't. Ricardo is a engineering services uh, company that's been in the automotive industry for 107 years. It was founded in automotive, and you know I always like to tell people my fun story was we actually sold IP 
to Henry Ford, you know, way back in the day when he was when he was uh, building the Model T. So it's a very, very well established company. But, you know, I was running the automotive and industrial uh, engineering business globally. And but when this opportunity came, I couldn't I couldn't pass it up. So you're uh, with Chinese investment, I guess, but you're kind of essentially an American company, right? You're based in Irvine, yes. California. You do manufacturing fairly nearby in Moreno Valley, right. I think, California. That's exactly uh, right. So t- talk a little bit about that, about how this is an American company doing uh, essentially supercars and, and pretty amazing uh, vehicles. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So we, yeah, we, you know, yes, we have a Chinese investor. Um, you know, I, I always tell people there's, you know, there's investors in all manner of vehicle companies from all over the world. So that doesn't really matter. Um, I think what really matters is I've got an automotive engineering team in Irvine, California. All of our vehicles are designed and engineered in Irvine. We have a global supply chain, just like any other automaker. Most of our suppliers are from here in the U.S., many of them from Detroit. Um, We manufacture our vehicles about an hour away from our facility, uh, uh, an hour east of us in Moreno Valley, and where we have a half a million square foot assembly plant, modern, uh, modern facility really designed for low volume. So our whole business model is we want to be America's exotic, right? So, you know, Aston Martin, McLaren, uh, Ferrari, Bentley, every time that you think about the ultimate of driving or the highest profile of driving that you can imagine, you think about a European car. But, you know, when you think about innovation and wealth creation and, you know, business and entrepreneurship, you think about the U.S. So we think it's only logical that there's a U.S. company that embodies this, that spirit of, of leadership and growth. And we, we intend to be that company. Yeah. And one step in that, I think, is the, the vehicle you recently introduced. I think you uh, introduced a model that's going to come to market maybe in a, in a bit of time. But you can tell us about that. Yes. Tell us what your most recent announcement was and all of that. Yeah, so our, our most recent announcement we did in November at the Las Vegas Concours. The car is called the Cavea. So the Cavea is a two-door Super Coupe. Um, the the version that we debuted is an all-wheel drive, 1,100 horsepower, uh, two, two-seater uh, coupe. Very, very low-slung, very long dash to axle. So it's got very classic supercar proportions. Uh, and we really see that as our North Star. So that car is intended to show the image of where karma's going and really define our new design language. So the idea is that we will embrace kind of tech. And, you know, the the, the tech industry in Southern California, the whole knows, is known around the world. So the embodiment of that, but in with beautiful really artistic, timeless automotive design. That's really what we're, we're looking to do. Uh, and then behind the Cavea, we will have an all-electric all sedan called the Jacera, and then the reintroduction of our original sedan, the Rivero. Okay, so a pretty, you know, somewhat broad uh, product line for uh, a fairly young company uh, in, yes, the, exactly. in, the space, in this space. What do you think are some, uh, with the Cavea, what do you think are some of the uh, key features of that vehicle that set it apart from from others out there. Well, the 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 first one for the Cavea, I mean, it, it, you just got you got to talk about power, right? So it's an all electric vehicle, four motors, uh, so uh, eleven hundred horsepower, and uh, so and then the ability for us to, we've done a lot with the engineering and the control systems to make sure that we can put that power to the to the ground. But but most importantly for us, you know, when we think about our role as a supercar, there's a lot of different ways that you can embody a supercar. Straight line performance, cornering, trackability. We really think of ours as, as canyon carving, right? That's our signature. We want you to be able to take the car out and really enjoy the, the balance and the connectedness that the vehicle has with the road and with the driver. 
So, so the core is there. Now, additional to that, we have a battery. Uh, the battery system in ours is of our own design. So we now design and manufacture our own battery packs in our facility. By 2027, we anticipate that we will we will have uh, built about a gigawatt worth of batteries in our Moreno Valley facility. So it's not insignificant. Um, we have uh, little little tilts to classic auto, uh, American automotive design. So the headlights are hideaway, like the old pop-up headlights of the, of, of the 80s and 90s. Um, My Pontiac Hero, for example. It, exactly, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, the spoiler is is hidden. Our charge port is hidden. We want the surface to be sculptural and and smooth and uninterrupted. And then, but when the when technology is needed, when feature is needed, when when uh, you know additional aerodynamics is needed, it appears on demand. And we think that those those you know it's a kind of a classic. We used to say the term in Detroit all the time: surprise and delight features. So we, we don't want to inundate our customers with technology. My personal belief is where cars are today, we've lost the car, right? You get into a vehicle and, and you get this this kind of stark flat dashboard and a gigantic screen with buttons all over the place. But so now the 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 you know the infotainment is more important than the cabin experience. We're trying to go in the other direction. We want the the technology to be there. We want it to be well well appointed. But we don't want to overload you with it. We want it to show up when you want it. Yeah, yeah. Make it more of a driver's car, and that makes a lot of That's sense. That's exactly right. You know, a, exactly right. a lot of electrics are fast in a straight line. I mean, kind of mind-blowingly yep. <laughs> fast in a straight line. But then beyond that, they don't handle particularly well. They feel kind of odd. Uh, how do you get past that, and how are you going to get past that with the Kavea? Well, so one of the things is, you know, everyone has adopted the, the flat load floor skateboard kind of concept. We haven't. Uh, ours is our, our our battery pack actually sits in the tunnel of the car, so that puts the center of gravity not only low but it's also in the middle. So we can control the the stability of the car from a from a yaw and and uh, and roll perspective. And the driver um, sits next to it more so than on top of it, right? Exactly, exactly. And so what we do, and then we extend that pack into the into what we call the trunk or area or the or the rear as needed to maintain the, the, the balance of weight. And when we come back, we will have more from Karma Automotive's Marcus McCammon, so stay with us. Welcome back to America on the Road with co-host Chris Teague. This is Jack Red with you. And let's continue our interview with Marcus McCammon of Karma Automotive. There's some details in our in our aluminum space frame design that I can't give away just yet. <laughs> But but uh, but but here's what I'll here's the secret sauce that I will give. Um, it was important for me that we created a driver's car. So I went back and I said, you know, what in America were the, was the best driver's supercar that we've created over the past you know 20 years? And to me, it was the Ford GT. So I hired the 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 systems engineer and a vehicle dynamics engineer and the engineering manager from the Ford GT. And so those guys are actually running the team. So in addition to some of the things that we're doing architecturally, which I'm, they told me I'm not allowed to tell yet, um, and the position of the battery, the fact that the vehicle's low slung, has a very, very wide stance, and we have a lightweight aluminum uh, um, uh, space frame architecture, 
those are the things that are going to help us to contribute to the to the driving performance. I could talk to you about our suspensions uh, setup and how the A arms are positioned, how we're approaching the the uh, the half shaft design relative to the motor position. But again, they don't want me to give that away just yet because they 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 feel like they've got some secret sauce. What about this car excites you the most? What what, what do you think is super cool about this versus? so many of the competitors out there because a lot of people are trying to do what you're doing yeah I, well to me the thing that makes it exciting is is the notion of balance so i think that what we've done with the ev is we've gotten enamored with the novelty of having immediate torque but we haven't tried to create a balanced car so so the thing that i told the, the team when i when i brought them in is i don't you know just straight line acceleration so i could come and say oh i can do zero to 60 in a second that's actually useless yeah. I mean, the, you know, unless I'm driving an F1 car, the, the, the G-forces on a normal driver or even someone who's, who's moderately skilled, it, there's, there's nothing left for me. It'll be disorienting. I, I won't have a sense of control. It's just something to brag about. So finding out, finding the right balance for, of a driving experience in an EV, I think that hasn't been done yet, in my personal opinion. And so I think that's an opportunity for us to unlock what I say is the real love affair with the car. I mean, I, I grew up, you know, Lamborghini, Countach, uh, Di Tommaso. Yeah, I loved the exotic Italian cars. And and the the character, each one of them had a different driving character. They had a different kind of, you had to understand the stability of the car differently. With what we do with EVs right now, outside of the, you know, talking about the range and how fast I can go from zero to 60, you don't you don't hear anybody talk about the, the, the driving dynamics. They all seem the same as a guy who's driven so many of them. Yeah, I can say absolutely you're right. It's the same. <laughs> exactly. So so I think the opportunity to, to reintroduce vehicle character, the connection between the driver and the car and go back to a driver-centric vehicle experience, I think that that's what Karma is going to be able to do uniquely to, to the rest of the players in the market. Right. So where can our listeners find out more about Karma and uh, maybe find a Karma dealer for that matter? Absolutely. So we have 20, 23 Karma deals in North America, 21 in the U.S. Um, so we invite people to come to karmaautomotive.com. Lots of information. We're on all the major social media, so Instagram, uh, YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, X, all that. Um, and But any of those places will provide you with lots of information about our, our company. And we also invite people to reach out. One of the things that we think that we have to do, if we're going to create a vehicle that plays in this segment of the market, we have to be intimate. We have to have direct contact. And the experience has to be exceptional in every manner. So we want people to, to talk to us, come visit, come see, come look and, and, and touch the product. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you put together a great team and you have a great vision for this company. And uh, it's nice to see dreams Thank come you. true. I, you know, I wish you nothing but success with this. Thank you so much, Jack. I really appreciate it. I, I'm Like I said, I'm, I'm loving it now. I'm, out, I'm actually out here doing test drives right now. So <laughs> it doesn't get any better than this. Yeah, yeah. Literally, we got, caught you in the middle of a drive. So that's pretty cool. Marcus McCammon, of Karma Automotive. Thanks so much for being with us. We so appreciate it. Look forward to talking to you again soon. Likewise. Thank you, Jack. It's good to talk to you. And that was our interview with Marcus McCammon of Karma Automotive. And I think we have time for at least one listener question. So let's go to that. We have a listener question here from Rena in Daphne, Alabama. I think that's on Mobile Bay, if I remember correctly. A pretty cool town, as I remember. In any case, this is what she has to say. I'm moving from Alabama to Milwaukee. And I'm wondering if I need to buy a four-wheel drive vehicle to deal with the snow. What do you think? Well, Chris, you kind of made it in some ways a similar move 
back in the day. I mean, what, what are your thoughts? I did. I moved uh, from North Carolina, from Charlotte to Maine. Uh, I had a rear-wheel drive Infinity car at the time. Uh, and I can tell you that the the drive wheels, yeah, they're, they're important, they're helpful, but the two things that you really need to keep in mind are uh, to have good tires, so good winter-ready uh, winter tires. That does not mean all-season tires. That means a cold-weather-approved tire for snow or uh, a three-peak uh, three tire. Uh, and then also driving skills so, or your patience level, I think it's probably a better way to put that. So uh, those two things together will get you a lot further and safer than any amount of four-wheel drive. Because keep in mind, four-wheel drive won't stop your car. Four-wheel drive doesn't, you know, it does a lot of things, but it won't uh, save you, you know, save you if you're not not doing the right thing. So, Jack, I think those those are the two things I would I would say is, you know, focus on your tires and then also getting some practice behind the wheels so that when the time comes and you're forced to drive somewhere, you're not in a hurry, you don't feel pressured and you've, you've got some experience under your belt. Right. One of the things I remember, and I think it's from many decades back, is the the saying, and I, I think it's really true, that four-wheel drive will just get you stuck deeper in the snow. <laughs> <laughs> and that can happen. I mean, four-wheel drive is is great in the snow. It, it, it can be helpful. But it's not a panacea. It's not going to save you in any every situation. And as you point out, it's not going to stop the vehicle. And, and stopping the vehicle in snow and ice is probably the most critical thing you have to do. And you experience that every day. I experienced it every day for years and years and years growing up in Chicago and, and uh, as a, a young adult in Chicago back in the day. In mostly rear-wheel drive vehicles, um, again, as you say, having some driving skill and, and patience in <laughs> that kind of inclement weather is uh, trumps where the drive wheels are. I think front wheel drive is probably going to be just okay for somebody who is uh, moving to Milwaukee and experiencing the snow that they will experience there. Um, so I don't know that. And they, you know, if you're living in the urban areas, they plow, the plow trucks do a very good job, salt and sand, you know, that presents a whole other issue for your cars down the road, but uh, the roads are pretty well taken care of in most big cities like that. Yeah, I think somebody who grew, grew up in the South, and I get the uh, sense that maybe Rena grew up in the South and just doesn't know what to expect, uh, you know, moving to a, a snowy climate. Um, most of the time, you're going to be just fine. And there are times when roads will be completely impassable <laughs> and you just have to deal with that, too. Uh, but venturing out in that case uh, is not a, not a good idea in the first place, right? Yeah, even Mainers take snow days off sometimes. So there are days when it's just too too gnarly to even go out. So right. So I wouldn't necessarily change my car. I would work on technique, work on the uh, idea of driving in snow, and I think that will get you through. So those are those are my thoughts on that. What's going on at your test driver? Oh, we're in and yourtestdriver dot com. We're in a new year. Yeah, we're we're still revamping our content for twenty twenty four. We are getting all the great stuff out, Jack. We've got safety content coming. We've got comparisons already out. And uh, the reviews are going to keep coming this year. We're going to do two reviews per week. So uh, every week there will be something new to see. Every few days you should check back and take a look and see what's there. Yeah. By all means, check out yourtestdriver.com. Bookmark it. Go back there every day. See what Chris is up to. It's uh, a good idea to do. Uh, if, if you're on the interweb uh, and you uh, happen to get to Amazon, you might check out my newest book, Dance in the Dark. It's a crime thriller inspired by true crime. Um, a lot of driving in it, as a matter of fact. Some kind of exciting 
car chases as exciting as you can make them on the page or in pixels. Um, so, you know, cars are always a passion of mine, even when I'm writing about crime. So look for that. I would appreciate it. Uh, again, if you like America on the Road, please pass it on. Listen on this radio station, of course, each week. And then let others know where you're listening to America on the Road, where and when. And uh, we're on Saturday mornings in most instances on the Sports Map Radio Network. And uh, there's various ways to get our podcast, too, aren't there, Chris? Yes, if you head to sportsmapradio.com, as Jack said, you can find us there on the Saturday morning schedule. You can get our pod podcast on all the major platforms, Apple, uh, Spotify, all the rest. And you can also find a radio formatted version of the show right there, if that's your thing. Yeah. Well, our thanks to the Sports Map Radio Network stations for carrying America on the Road. And most of all, thanks to you for listening to America on the Road. We do appreciate it very sincerely. And we hope you join us again next time for the next episode of America on the Road. I got this letter from a reader the other day, and I thought I'd share it with you. I'm on vacation on the beach in Key Biscayne and just finished reading Dance in the Dark. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Great plot and twists I never saw coming. You're really good at creating visual images. Congrats. You made my vacation all that more enjoyable. This is just the kind of feedback an author loves to hear. I'm Jack Nerad, host of America on the Road and the author of Dance in the Dark, a crime novel inspired by true crime. Many have told me that Dance in the Dark has all the realism of fatal photographs, my true crime account of the famous bathing suit model murder case. That's great to hear because Dance in the Dark is filled with suspense, plot twists, and surprises. But at the same time, it's a believable story in the tradition of writers like James M. Cain, Jim Thompson, and Elroy Leonard. I'm not saying it did happen, but it could have. Dance in the Dark is available in paperback and Kindle ebook form from Amazon.com. And it's available direct from the publisher EMLancy.com as well. If you have a chance, please look for it. If it makes your vacation better, we'll both be happy. That's Dance in the Dark by Jack Arnie Red at Amazon.com or emlancy.com. Thanks for giving it a look.